0: Welcome to this month's episode of the World of Roofing podcast, hosted by John Kenny of Cotney Consulting and Andrew Rowley of RoofMapping.com, where we will introduce you to a new roofing industry artisan from around the world.
1: All right, well, welcome back, everyone. We have another brand new episode of World in Roofing, and once again, I am joined by my friend and co-host Andrew Andrew how's everything going over in the UK today
0: oh, it's very very good got a bit of sunshine today um, like in that. my region we've had rain for the last couple of days so um, a lot of the roofing work's been put on hold but yeah we're making some progress today so it's nice to have a little bit of sun before the autumn kicks in proper
1: that's it well we all know in the roofing industry you got to have rain with the sunshine if you get too much sunshine the works a little bit slower so mm-hmm. the good mix is always good to have so um, once again we're here to bring you uh, our guest this is a little bit different um another part of the world we haven't had yet in the uh, manufacturing side of the industry so roy najir i'm welcome you here to our podcast um how are you doing today i'm fine i'm fine thank you i'm very well so so roy take a moment here to tell us a little bit about where you're at uh who you are and your company and um we'll start with that
2: okay uh, my name is Roy, Roy Najjar. I, am, uh, I used to be an architect. I, I studied my architectural... Uh, uh, I had my degree from the American University in Beirut, and uh, I worked as an architect for 10 years. Uh, five, five of these 10 years, I was in Belgium, in Brussels. I uh, did several interesting projects, and one very nice project on the Côte d'Azur in South France. And uh, after 10 years uh, of working as an architect, I was quite successful. I had several projects published in magazines and books. Then my late father, my father, contacted me and said, Roy, when are you going to fly back to Lebanon? I used to spend my holidays, summer holidays in Lebanon with my parents. But at one time, he told me, OK, enough. The war is over in Lebanon since 10 years now. So when are you going to come back and join the company? Uh, it's a legacy for, for you and your brothers. So, so I, I came back and I started a department of architectural metals within our family business. Our family business is highly specialized in metals. So from stainless steel to copper to zinc to uh, all metals, uh, mainly except steel. Now we used my grandfather, etc. Used to be in the steel business, but progressively they went out and they were specialized
1: in non-ferrous metals. So when before you started the architectural uh, metal division of your company. Was it mainly you would send out coils and bulk materials? Is that what you, your specialty was selling that or? Uh,
2: not mine, my brother, my father, yeah, yeah. yeah. Coils, uh, and we even had a, a small service center where we, we transformed uh, this material. Uh, for example, we used to import coils, sheets, but also tubes, bars, flat bars, angles. In stainless steel, uh, copper, copper tubes for air conditioning, for uh, sanitary plumbing, etc. So, but it was hundred uh, percent metals. And uh, starting the in the eighties, my brother started. My brother, by the way, he had his engineering diploma from Loughborough in, in England. So he started uh, developing uh, the service center. The service center was created in the 30s, 1930. But Mm. it was merely a shear, a bending machine, etc. So my brother started developing and introducing new machines like laser cutting, like uh, stamping, punching machines, etc. And uh, now we have three service centers in three locations and we have... Uh, very modern, updated uh, equipment, and thanks to this, we we offer the service so so a client doesn't have to buy the material and invest in a machine to to work this material. So we can sell him the material and offer him the service of tra- transforming the material.
1: Nice. Um, I, tell us a little bit about your family business. Dates well back in the 1800s, correct? Yes,
2: 1860, exactly. Next year, it will be our 165th uh, anniversary.
1: Wow, that's amazing.
2: So, yeah, it was founded by the father of my grandfather uh, in Aleppo because, uh, yeah, we are of Armenian origin, both from the, my father's side and from my mother's side. We are of Armenian origin. So my ancestor left Armenia maybe 200 years ago, a bit less, and they established uh, the, their business in Aleppo, in Syria. Aleppo was on the Silk Road, you know the Silk Road, mm-hmm. joining China to the, to the European uh, uh, markets. So Aleppo was very well located, and later in the... Just after the first uh, World War in uh, the early twenties, uh, Beirut port was gained development, etc. So, uh, my my fa- my grandfather decided to open a branch in Beirut, where it was just next to the seaport, and it was a very good move because uh, this is where it picked up all the country. Lebanon was a small country. So it picked up; it became a very industrial and uh, big economical hub. Whereas, unfortunately, Syria went down, and look what we have now in Syria. It was a good move from my grandfather.
1: Yeah, and, and there's not many businesses around the world that can date back into the 1860s. That's a, that's absolutely amazing. Yes. That's a that's yes. a feat that very few companies accomplish and to keep it as a private-owned family business. That's even probably way more rare than than a company that can date its origins back that far. Um, I know you told me, uh, we were talking earlier, and you had told me a a really uh, neat story about your, uh, I think it was your grandfather going to Italy and your name. Why don't you share that one with us? That was a very good story.
2: Yeah. Lots lots of people ask us, how do you pronounce your name? I said Najah. But why it's written this way? Well, Najar is a very common family name in, in Lebanon. Uh, in English, it's the, it's carpenter. Najar is the name of the, how do you call it? Uh, not the job. The, I don't know the word in English.
0: Uh, profession? Korea? Sorry? Is it the profession?
2: Exactly, the profession. So, uh, Najar is a carpenter in English. So uh, my, but the father of my grandfather used to send uh, telegrams to Italy to visit uh, his suppliers. At that time, it was only still uh, to book a an hotel and inform them that I'm going to visit you, etc. cetera. Uh, upon arriving, so they used to tell him, hello, Mr. Nayar, how are you? No, no, I'm not Nayar, I'm Najar. So the Italian guy suggested uh, well, I, uh, you know, I suggest to you why don't you write it this way so it can pre- be pronounced correctly? And uh, he said, "Yeah, it's a good idea, and this way I can distinguish distinguish myself from the other Najar." And we kept it this way. But on my passport, the passport, it's N A W J A R. Uh, okay, it's only the company's name. The
1: also. the other amazing, which I think is really, uh, I, I love that part. Is that your name means carpenter as a profession and you're doing now standing steam architectural roofing and and honestly a lot of cart roofing and carpentry when it comes to doing standing seam having both the skills of a roofer and the skills of a carpenter make the best tradesman and journeyman to go ahead and do that type of standing seam. So it just that—that's—that's that's amazing. That's—it's always it's, say coincidental how, how funny things are when they work out that way. So behind you there, you have a, a picture. Tell—is there anything uh, special about the background you have today?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's a nice project uh, done a couple of years ago in the Lebanese mountains. It's in a ski resort called Hakra, and uh, I love the architecture and uh, it's covered with uh, zinc roof and by the way this project was uh, the subject of a webinar organized by vm zinc uk a couple of months ago where they invited the architect of this project uh, mr karim nadir and uh, a british architect i forgot his name maybe uh, yeah i forgot his name and it was a very nice uh discussion it was uh Hosted by Jonathan Lowy of, BM, I don't know if you know him, Jonathan, of Zinc UK, with these two architects, the British one and the this one. Wow.
0: And you say you're going to send me the details so we can put that on roofmapping.com. I will. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I, I noticed the last time I was on ro- <clears throat> excuse me, roofmapping.com, quite a few of your projects uh, were on there. I know one thing, I don't believe we you had mentioned the actual name of uh, your company and, and the type of roof system it is. So tell us about how many other countries, have. where do you sell at? What's the furthest away country or most unique project uh, that you feel?
2: Okay. Yeah, mainly our market and my base is in Lebanon. Uh, But for 10 years, between 2008 and 2018, I had a branch in Qatar, in Doha. And Qatar was booming and I've done several very interesting projects over there. Then in 19, uh, in, sorry, 2017, they had this crisis between Qatar and Saudi Arabia and uh, Dubai, and they, they made some kind of blockade. So they closed, uh, they closed the borders between uh, Qatar and Saudi Arabia, and things were not going very, very well anymore. And uh, so at that time, we decided by the end of uh, 2018 to close the company, say thank you to the employees. And, and since then, we are working from Lebanon, serving our clients in Qatar. So we don't have any more, any physical presence, but we are still active. Uh, well, this is Lebanon and Qatar. Now, thanks to the Lebanese diaspora, I, am, I have projects nearly all over the world. Uh, now I'm working on a project in New York City. Wow. I, with a client, very, a Lebanese client, very active there. I've done, I've done with him a very nice project in, uh, in New York, executed a zinc roof. This one we'll post it as well. Okay, brilliant. On the roof mapping. So I will send you the details. With the same client, we will have now an interesting one in New York. But mostly we work on West Africa, uh, Nigeria, Senegal, uh, Guinea Equatorial, Sierra Leone, etc. But also the Arab countries in Syria. And Syria, since 2011, nothing is happening. It's still in crisis. But in Jordan, in Saudi Arabia, in Dubai uh in egypt uh, well a bit but thanks to the lebanese diaspora who who are present all over these countries and uh yeah and they used to be our clients in lebanon and when they opened the branch for example uh, this client in sierra leone uh, he was my client for years then uh, he decided to have a branch in sierra leone and automatically it's a reflex he was satisfied happy with our service so whenever he needs something so he contact me and we continued the business as if it was for oh, Brilliant.
0: Yeah. And, that, and that makes a big difference doesn't it when you have those relationships and they know they can trust you okay. uh, and, and, and those hopefully continue on for a long time but yeah it takes a lot to, to build those up
2: and concerning the roofing uh, so it's not anybody who can install a roof, a standing roof. it must be uh, formed so i I took care of the instruction and teaching so i the first the first uh, we say in French formation, how do you say the first uh, ah, anyway i brought uh, a french uh, guy from france mm-hmm. to lebanon to our company and we installed and we we trained we had the training for three uh, different companies mm-hmm. and they they started so uh, soldering the zinc uh, folding making the sanding seam the roll cap etc so uh, yeah, we sell the material, but we also help the roofer getting the proper knowledge and yeah, give right. it
1: a free job training. And so, when a project's complete, um, do you send somebody out to inspect the project at the very end to make sure everything was done correctly, or does your contractor send you back photos of the installation? Yes, they
2: send photo. We don't. <clears throat> I I refuse to sell material to a non-professional, not right, not trained. Uh, because selling making a couple of dollars of benefits and having claims and problems and no i rather not do that so i rather sell especially coils now if a client comes and want to buy a sheet of zinc or a sheet of copper okay but coils are rather restrict selling the coils to the approved roofers
1: yes well, absolutely understandable. You have a huge family reputation on the line for as mm-hmm. many years as you've been. Plus, personal. Do you have any? Um, do you have the next generation coming in after? Yes. Uh, yeah.
2: I already have two nephews joining us. Wow! So the that fifth, takes you what, five, it, five it, six uh,
1: generations almost now.
2: Huh. Uh, no, I am of the fourth generation, and my nephews the fifth.
1: Fifth. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And soon it'll be sixth at some point. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Andrew, any questions that I, I missed?
0: Uh, no, I mean on a personal point, I've just you know, Roy's been very good at sending lots of roofs to put on the map, and it's just really interesting to see the different styles. And I think there's even because we had a conversation yesterday, just agreed um, to this meeting. But there, there's one roof I'm sure you sent me. There's actually a mirrored. I think it's a mirrored steel um sort of dome, but it just you know the, the things that they can do is just amazing and that's again part of what I want to show people um with the with roofwrapping.com is what can be achieved and to give that sort of inspiration so actually yeah that they are a company that can do it so let's broaden you know even if it's an architect or a, an architectural student thinking actually that's amazing I want to replicate it or a contractor thinking well I've got this coming through where do I go for a you know manufacturer that can produce it again it just helps people see what can be done and by by the right people as well but yeah it's just it, and they are all over all over that sort of area of the world it's great to, to get them on the map
1: well the big thing too is that the zinc type the roofing that you're uh, you're producing is that is an art form in itself within standing steam roofing you have to be very skilled at that you have like you said you have the soldering. I think soldering is almost becoming a lost art in today, in our industry, and, and it's that is so important. But really, your roofs are almost, I, I always like, I hate to use the term lifetime, because anything can change, but they are. They're gonna last for more than we're gonna uh, be on the roof. They're gonna last for centuries if they're done correctly.
2: Exactly, exactly. That's wonderful. Yeah, I visited projects in Paris that are 160 years, so they are still perfect. The only problem, for example, with zinc, with time, it becomes brittle. So if they want to install uh, an antenna or a dish, so if they touch the zinc, it
1: can break. But if you don't touch it, it's perfect. Copper as well. Yeah. So I have one one thing I want to add. So I don't know if you, you know this about me or not, but I am a collector and a promoter of roofing industry history. So if you have uh, older photos or older documents, please take a picture of those digitally and send them to me. I'd love to post them out and give you the credit and your company credit for it. I, I have a, a, a nice, a, matter of fact, one of the seminars that I'm doing at Western States is the history of roofing. So if you have anything, I'd love to get it out there. Cause I think what you're doing is, you know, the, the multiple generations, the type of products you're putting out there, the quality, Insulation, I think it, definitely people need to know more about that history behind you, your family and your company.
2: Okay, I will. There is a very interesting project, a church in the uh, city of Zahle. so it's not, it's far from, uh, it's in the Bekaa Valley, and I never visited, it, but uh, they sent me pictures, it was a zinc roof on the dome of the church, and uh, they told me it must be zinc because it was done during the French mandate. So when the French were present after the World War II, so in the 50s or, uh, sorry, 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 excuse me, uh, the French mandate, it was between the two world wars. So it was in the 30s, maybe made. and uh, it's been years I'm planning to, to get there and get on the roof of this church and and see it touch it but the pictures are not very very nice so
1: but i will do it yeah Yeah, anything we'd love to get that out there and and then of course for the audience you want to learn more and see more projects as andrew said go to that roofmapping.com because you're going to and we're going to get more from what i heard now we're going to add some more of the projects on there from roy and um i think you, you know this is amazing you're you're definitely uh, other than we had on uh graham from uh scotland who has uh back to the 10 hundreds um what was his family history back in slate roofing but as far as definitely manufacturers go um you're def you're right there i've never had the opportunity to speak to a family member that's kept it in you know within the company like that still family owned so amazing amazing accomplishment and uh I'm sure you're very proud and your family's very proud. Yes, we are, thank you. Yeah.
0: And Roy if you if you have details of that 160 year old roof in Paris then that would uh, certainly win some records on the on the website because the oldest one I have so far I think is 50 years old.
1: No. So, come on. Yeah,
0: that was an EDPM. But yeah, if you've got if you've got some old historical records it'd be great to get those on the map as well.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah. Okay, I, w- I will get them to you. I don't have anything but but it's very, very, very common. All mm-hmm. these uh, boulevards uh, done by uh, Baron Haussmann. You know, Baron Haussmann is the urban designer who, who who changed. I don't know. Maybe it's out of subject now, but yeah, you know, it will be short. So mm-hmm. the king at that time uh, appointed uh, a guy called Baron Haussmann to to redraw the urban planning of Paris. And uh, this guy decided to make boulevards, etc., and have them in straight line and different direction. In case why? In case there is an uprising or something, they can put guns and cannons and <laughs> defend themselves. But the nice thing he did about that is he imposed having zinc roof on the on the roofs, and yeah. uh, it's called the mansard. So. If a building is let's say five floors you have on the facade only four floors and the fifth floors is entirely uh, integrated in the roof
0: yeah it was I, a zinc I know I know Paris put forward an application I think it was to make the roofs of Paris or certainly the zinc roofs of Paris a world heritage site so if you've got you know if your company's part of that history as well that would be great to tie in um because yeah the zinc roofs of Paris are very, very famous.
1: Okay. I will I will Yeah,
0: but uh go well, ahead
1: before we close out, Roy, is there anything we didn't cover or a message you'd like to get across to our audience before we close out? No, no, I was so happy having you guys uh well, it was our pleasure to have you on, that's for sure. Well, Andrew, any closing words or no, no, I think that's been wonderful. Thank you, Roy. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you so much. Uh, and then, in that uh, end note, I want to thank our audience once again for joining us to another episode. And um, don't forget to check us out and pass the word around, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you.